1: Caleb Love is out, Mackenzie Mbako is in. Chris Holtman has made his first public comment since the end of the season, and we are back to doing drafts. Welcome back to Bucketheads, everyone. My name is Connor Lamans. This is episode 76 of one of the only college basketball podcasts that carries on through all 12 months of the year. I'm here with my co-host Justin Golba, who could potentially be boots on the ground for the first time uh, up in Cleveland for the Ohio State West Virginia game this december potentially yeah what's that again uh it is in i just said it's in december i don't know the exact date yeah, like, there's okay, no way you yeah. have plans already
0: no but i was just making sure it's not like new year's day or something but as long as it's not i'm definitely gonna try to get together. let me uh, let's look that up yeah. ohio you're State. Normally, you're normally the boots on the ground guy so you're, you're the face of the operation everybody just knows my voice and my twitter fingers so i know and i could
1: i could drive up i could go do it but this is your golden opportunity to just like walk to uh walk to the game basically
0: would take a couple of days but yeah uh because <laughs> i do live about 20 minutes outside the city but uh definitely could drive in and definitely could yeah i definitely down to that that'd be kind of sick you know put, dust the old uh, covering covering the game uh well i still cover games, every day. I'm about games still.
1: it's like riding a bike once you've done it once you've done it a million times
0: it's saturday december 30th it's a
1: saturday night i think Ah, it's fine. that will work. Yeah, sure, let's do that. The day before New Year's Eve. Yeah, it's perfect. All right, big go. Right, your, boy, your boy's in. You're, we'll get you a credential for that game. Um, we also got... Uh, this is going to be a, this is going to be a, potentially a heavy not-Ohio State episode, but we'll get back to the Buckeyes towards the end.
0: I think Ohio State's really done anything.
1: Yeah, but they also have... We just found out yesterday, two days ago, um, I kind of felt like this would be the matchup when I saw the four teams. Ohio State is going to be playing the University of Alabama in the, as it's called the Emerald coast classic. Is that what it's called? Yeah, something like that. And they'll have Texas A&M in a home and home that came out this week. So uh, I don't think their non-conference is, I don't think Ohio State's non-conference is quite as, quite as nasty as it was this past season. Um, but, But they have some quality teams that they're stacking up on the non- conference that I think they could potentially beat all four of them. Like, On a case-by-case basis.
0: Yeah. I mean, you look at Alabama should be still really good next year. Obviously losing Brandon Miller, but um, I I believe Mark Sears is gone as well. Just feels like he's definitely probably used up his eligibility. I think um,
1: Betty Aco is staying in the NBA draft,
0: which is kind of crazy. Is he? I actually missed that one. Okay. So so, uh, Mark Sears is back. Good Lord. Okay. So they have Jerron Quinterly, Mark Sears. If Bed staying in the draft, then Rylan Griffin is their center of forward? I don't know. That might be the only big guy. They did lose. I know Noah Clowney's gone. I know Noah Gurley's gone. They did lose Namari Burnett to Michigan. So, I mean, they're going to be one of those teams where they can be very good, but um, you know, probably probably ranked, but probably in the twenties when they play them. You have A&M is gonna be really good. I mean, Wade Taylor's back. Terry's Radford's back. The only thing they're losing, I believe, is, Dennis, is Dexter Dennis, um, who's a fantastic defender. But, you know, bringing back Henry Coleman, Ohio State will see Julius Marble again, Michigan State transfer. So AM should be a top 15 to 20 team when Ohio State sees them. And the West Virginia is kind of a weird one because a lot of people are really high on West Virginia. I'm not as high on them. I, th- I mean, I think they're good. Jesse Edwards was a good pickup, but yeah. I'm not. We're not a we're not a Kirk Reisa podcast. I think that's. I mean, he's okay. He's good, sure. Um, all right, I'll take it. But Raquan Battle might be their biggest pickup just because he's just a scorer. They got Trey Mitchell from Texas. He's kind of a up in the air kind of guy. He might be really good and might just flame out. I don't know. And then Joe Toussaint's back. Obviously, we know him from Iowa. Fantastic defender. He can put the ball in the hole when he has to. They lose Eric Stevenson and Emmett Matthews, who I think were arguably their two best scorers. So, see about that. I don't know what this whole Jose Perez situation is—the All Conference Player of the Year from Manhattan, who just wasn't allowed to play last year. I am assuming he's allowed to play this year, but if he plays, he'll be a, a boost to them. So, uh, Huggy, how long Huggy Bear suspended? Will that be the Ohio State game or no? I don't think so. so he's what, what he'll be four back? games, I think. Yes, there is no way that's late December. So no, okay. so he'll be back. no, 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 he'll be back. Okay, So, yeah, I mean, I think that'll be I think they're they're kind of like Ohio State. Honestly, there's a lot of new pieces, a lot of good pieces, but they're going to need some guys to take some leaps and they're going to need some guys to to me- to mesh well, because uh, they're going to be starting probably four transfers. Probably Kirk Grisa, Trey Mitchell, Jesse Edwards, Andre Quan Battle, all transfers. And Joe Toussaint is a one year guy who was a transfer. So uh, it's one way to build a team.
1: And they got what Kentucky in the CBS Sports Classic, I believe. Which I'm trying to remember even who.
0: Yeah. Kentucky. I was not is
1: a. I was not a Emerson. big Kentucky fan last year, so I'm trying to remember. Like honestly, who re- returns on that well, team? That's Sheboy, be a problem.
0: Sheboy is still a question. Uh, I I have to assume Oscar Sheboy will be back. They also have what some people are calling, I'm probably not, but what some people are calling the greatest recruiting class of all time. The problem with all the other recruits is. They're all going to shoot the ball every time they touch it, uh, which tends to make for a problem when it comes to actually putting together a team. Robert Dillingham, DJ Wagner, Justin Edwards, and um, Reed Shepard, who some Ohio State fans might remember was an Ohio State target. Um, All those guys are going to shoot the ball every time they touch it. So I think Chris Livingston, did he say he was coming back or did he stay in the draft? I am not sure. I could look it up, though. And then they have Antonio Reeves, who's in the same situation. So I don't know if he'll be back or not. They even have Aaron and Bradshaw. Like, not a, he's not a pro, is he? Uh, you have to ask him that question because he did declare for the draft. But um, I don't know if he'll be back. Or not. I'm assuming he'll be back. But that's pretty much their only shooter. They have every single person they have is like a, a slasher, dribble and drive kind of guy. dealing all the freshmen. So we'll see if, if they can bring back Reeves so they can space the floor a little bit for Sheboy. They'll probably be pretty good. But, I mean, these teams that rely on these, I mean, you looked at like you look at Duke. In two thousand was that nineteen? Where they had like the three greatest freshmen ever and they still lost in lead eight. So I don't really know what to make of a lot of these teams that start four or five really, really good freshmen. It's hard to it's hard to make a gel. It really is.
1: As of um Wednesday afternoon, Antonio Reeves and Chris Livingston and Shiwe were all still question marks, so yeah, so they are did. all still. They're all still technically in the draft right now.
0: And if, if they all three come back, that's a really good team. If they all three descend to leave, that's not that good of a team to me. So we'll see.
1: So you know, Ohio State's non-con that that non-conference schedule. They've got you know a lot of SEC flavor. I think those are all just going to be really fun games. I love it. I love so much. I love the home and home college basketball. College basketball needs more home and homes. I understand. I understand why coaches hate it um especially big programs like your Dukes and your Kentuckys and your UCLA's and that's a generalization but I don't care big big teams don't really want to do home and homes because why would coaches want to subject themselves to like a true road game in a in a raucous intimidating arena when if you're like a Kentucky or like a Duke and you have the leverage to say listen we're a big brand if you want to play us we're going to play um, in Houston, or you know, we're gonna play in Miami. We're you're not gonna play at your place. We're gonna play where we want to play. If you want to have Duke on your schedule, that they have that leverage, right? Um, so it's really cool when when two programs can agree, like, hey, we'll go to your place as long as you come back to our place the following year. So you get to see a matchup like an Ohio State, Texas A and M, that's not part of a a mandated TV tournament or like right. a mandated. Yeah a mandated uh big 10 acc that's rip you know this wasn't mandated these was this was the two programs getting together and saying like yeah let's let's uh let, let's do it and i love that there was another there was another home and home that i saw that um you can talk for about this for a second while i find it john fanta friend of the pod tweeted out another home and home the other day that i thought was really fun
0: if Fanta tweeted out it's probably big east if That helps. i want to
1: say it was wisconsin and somebody
0: uh, was it Kentucky and Gonzaga? I know they agreed to one recently, but I don't think that was that was like last year. But still, that'll be fun. Um, anyway, but yeah, I you brought up a good point. First of all, I completely forgot the Big Ten AC Challenge was gone. So when you said RIP, that just like flooded all those memories back to me. But yeah, that's really – that's and that's why people love those events, right? The SEC Big 12 Challenge, the Big Ten ACC Challenge is because – you see Duke play at Ohio State, and you see Michigan play at North Carolina. You see all these things that happen that really wouldn't happen outside of something like that, like like you said, a mandated TV tournament or something. So um, I'm really excited for it. I, home and homes, in, whether you're a college basketball or college football fan, they never – for fans, there's no downside. For teams, I can understand why they don't like to do it, but for fans, it's just two really good games. It's it's. I think a is going to be their biggest test in non-conference. West Virginia and Kentucky will be good, obviously, but I think AM was probably the best team of those three. Uh definitely the most experienced and definitely the most of known entities. They're bring back four out of five starters. The other two teams absolutely cannot say that. So um, that's gonna be a really good game, and I believe it's the first game of the season, right? We don't know, we don't know technically. Or is there there might be some random one. It's November 10th, and normally that's about when their season starts, so we'll see. There might be one super random game against IUPUI to start the season. But it's it's like Ohio
1: State if Ohio State's smart if Ohio State's smart and their marketing team is smart and their people in their athletic department are smart, it should be their first game.
0: Which they are. We're not gonna shit on them.
1: (laughs) You don't wanna like that that is how you sell like when they have I think they have Western Michigan at home in November as well. Like that is how you sell tickets to the Western Michigan game is by putting Texas A&M first and beating Texas A&M at home or I guess even if you lose and it's like just an exciting tight game you play Texas A&M first and get people all jazzed up and excited and then you play Western Michigan three days later and people will still be excited from what they saw a few days ago and that'll sell more tickets for the next one
0: yeah no 100 percent. that's it's like when oh it's like it's like when like this year in college football, Florida plays Utah to start the season. Yeah, that's just it's going to bring eyeballs. So it's kind of like what uh what's the, what's the thing called? The Michigan State Champions Classic. That's normally their first games this season. Right. So, yeah, no, for sure. I'm, I'm, I'm all the way in. You can't. And, I, and I, I I prefer the Izzo method. Of Obviously, it didn't work this year because they didn't make the tournament. But it is nice to play really good teams early on kind of set a barometer of where you're at and then get better throughout the season. And then when you do make the tournament again, I understand last year that method was a little flawed, but when you do make the tournament in general, it, it gets you, you're just more experienced and more battle tested and you're ready to go. And God, you might see one of these teams. So even better.
1: So then if we hop off of the Buckeyes for a little bit, we'll come back to it. Um, a more pressing thing that is, is, Oh, the the biggest story that came out a few days ago. Um, I was actually out of town helping a friend of mine move, like help his mom move. So I wasn't really looking at my phone that much, and I checked my phone like eight hours later, and I saw news. Good friend Connor, I yeah, I saw news that Caleb Love actually is not going to enroll at the University of Michigan, and he is actually back in the transfer portal. I didn't think that I didn't think that the Caleb Love to Michigan content could get any better. And then he, he decommits from Michigan after committing to Michigan. I don't,
0: (laughs) I just don't know. How how does that happen? How does any, how, who dropped the ball? How does that happen? Everybody. This is a situation where everybody dropped the ball. Because if you remember Connor, it happened last year with Michigan in Terrence Shannon. And if you look at that Michigan team, they really could have used Terrence Shannon. So, it's on everybody. It's on the admissions for making it so damn hard for these dudes to enroll. It's on Jawan Howard for it happening last year and then somehow happening again this year without him having his ducks in a row in that regard. It's on Caleb Love, I guess, for not realizing that he might not get in. I, it's on everybody. It's just like it's crazy. The It's on Caleb the, Love for th- three days before this happened going on Twitter saying I ain't going nowhere. That was a mistake. Because it was apparently not up to you, so yeah,
1: just just an absolute all around shit show. Like, oh
0: my god! If,
1: so like, I had to look into it because I didn't understand. I did not understand the rules and the the admissions at Michigan and why this happens there. I had to reach out to somebody and find out. And you probably know the shots. I know you listen to some podcasts that are Michigan, Michigan State guys, so you probably have heard this. But basically,
0: to um, Sleepers. Yep.
1: The University of Michigan does not like to give out. Um, They do not want to give out a diploma to somebody who did not spend at least half of their college career actually at Michigan. You basically Um, got a
0: freshman or a grad transfer at
1: Michigan. Exactly. like You're not going to go, for Caleb Love's example, you're not going to go to North Carolina for three years and then go to Michigan for one year and have us give you our prestigious Michigan diploma. You don't get that Michigan diploma because you didn't earn it from the University of Michigan. Um, which is
0: kind of crazy. Like, come if on. it
1: sounds snooty, it's because to me it does sound snooty. But because yeah, it is,
0: <laughs> like, it's it's in this day and age of the transfer portal and stuff. Come on, you have to. And do therefore,
1: that than that. like you like you just said, Michigan. I'm guessing it happens the same with football. Um, but y- like, if, if you're not a grad transfer, which means you already finished college somewhere else or you're not like, you've only finished like your freshman, like basically if you're like a super undergrad, like you've only played one year of basketball and you're going to do most of your education at Michigan, or you've already finished college. Those are the only ways to transfer to Michigan and play sports. Cause they're not going to let you just get a Michigan diploma. If you only went to Michigan for like two or three semesters. But what I don't get is how did at no point, did they look at Caleb Love's transcript and say, oh, Caleb, like, hey, man, you've already got 85 credit hours at Carolina. Michigan isn't going to let this fly. Like, how did nobody in their athletic department sit down and look at his transcript and say, I don't know if this is going to fly. We should hold off on an announcement. How did Caleb Love not wait for an announcement until he was, like, actively enrolled? Like, how did you not... I don't get it.
0: That's what. that's where, to me it's on Jawan because he, it, or Mr. Howard, I don't know him personally. Um, so you, <laughs> <laughs> you, you gotta figure you, you can't let this happen again. You got to go to whoever you, I'm, I'm sure he's friends with the president of the university, go to whoever you have to go to before. Cause Caleb Love and Terrence Shannon are in the same situation, same levels of eligibility left. Go there and say, Hey, I want to bring this guy in. Is it going to be possible? Because you've wasted what he, he committed a month and a half ago. I mean, you've wasted a month of guys you could have got brought in because you thought you had Caleb Love, and now you don't. And now, who who are you gonna get? Who are you gonna call? I don't know. This Michigan team wasn't looking too hot before with Caleb Love. They're not looking much better after. So I don't understand where. Oh man, this is tough. It's tough. Yeah, and like, and like you said,
1: Caleb Love. Like, there's a somebody tweeted like a Cam month Spencer. ago, like. Somebody was like, oh, I'm hearing that, you know, Caleb Love might not be, you know, going that's to Michigan, actually. And truly, Donovan on Twitter.
0: Shout out to He Trilly. quote He's tweeted good. it and
1: was like, that's a lie. Like, I'll be at Michigan. Yep. And, like, yeah. I just don't know how that, like, how, if it's that clear cut that, like, hey, you can't get it, you cannot graduate here. Therefore, like, you know, if we're being honest, like, a lot of these athletes don't care if they graduate or not. But, like. As the university, like you're not gonna, you can't be like, you know, if you want to graduate from here, you need to do at least two of your years here. Some of these dudes don't really care if they graduate, but technically, it's still a, it's a university. Like you're supposed to at least act like you're going there for your education, and this, uh, it's it's bonkers to me that it got this far in the process.
0: That's and, what I mean. Uh, how does it get this far? We're in late May. How is it that Caleb Love, the minute he says I'm going to Michigan. People in Michigan don't go, hey, wait a minute. You know what I mean? Like, Howard's how are you not looking look at his
1: transcript with him on the visit and saying, yeah. like, oh, wait a Stay minute, him hold down, on. Man. And say,
0: hey, we're not going to admit you. Like, I don't look, this is obviously going over our heads because I don't get that. But like, I was admitted to college before. And when I got, when I said I was going to Kent State, it was because I was admitted into Kent State and they said I could come. Is that not how it works for athletes? <laughs> I don't get it. I really don't maybe it's not i don't i wasn't athletes so i don't know I, it's uh, this thing's a shit show and so like it you know it makes it harder
1: it, it makes it harder on juan howard to oh he's gone he's to gone. navigate the transfer it. portal he's it's gone. hard well i'm just saying like it makes it puts him in a tighter spot because he's working under a different set of rules than yep. a lot of the big 10 schools are he's working under tighter circumstances he can't get You know, he's not able to get every single transfer that he wants. He's not able to get every single recruit that he wants, but somehow the last two years he still had pretty damn talented teams and hasn't done a whole lot with it. So, um, and also John Beeline was working under the same exact, you know, he was getting pinched the same exact way. Although the transfer portal wasn't a thing when John Beeline was around transferring was still a thing when John Beeline was around, but it wasn't nearly as common. But I think that Michigan still had a couple of really talented teams the last couple of years, and it's not like he's done a ton with them. So I don't feel too terribly bad, but it is okay to admit that he's working under different circumstances
0: than the rest of the Big Ten. I think this is what pushes him out. I think he's done. You you just, you got to give, you got to, you got to, you got to meet him halfway. You know what I mean? He, like you said, there's no other school that I know of that works under these circumstances. So you're just trying too hard to catch up in a world that you're not really being allowed to catch up. So that's just. I think he had his 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 uh all of his NBA contacts on speed dial now because it's just it's too hard. And you look at this team they have this year; it screams nit. So now you're talking about two two nits in a row for Michigan. I yeah no. So then, twenty
1: four seven sports they put out an article um, on Wednesday saying about different schools that different schools that have been in contact with Caleb Love and I, I read the entire list and there was a few in there that I was like oh man that would be super fun and then it whittled it down to the three like main schools and it pretty much cut out the schools that I thought would be super fun but the schools that are still talking to Caleb Love it seems are Alabama, Arizona, Gonzaga, Indiana, Louisville, Texas and Yukon. and Alabama and Gonzaga Jumped out at me. I was like, oh my God, Caleb, Caleb Love playing for Alabama, playing for Nate Oates would be crazy. Yeah, it would.
0: <laughs> yeah. Caleb um, Love
1: playing for UConn would be crazy. Uh, I think Caleb Love playing
0: at Texas would be crazy. This could really backfire, though, on the Big Ten, because Indiana is not a perfect team right now. They're not, they have a lot of talent, but their makeup is very weird. They could basically start for centers and Xavier Johnson, which is not exactly how you win in college basketball nowadays. But if they get Caleb Love, that could really make Indiana really good. It could not work. I don't. I don't know, but it could make Indy, It could kind of maybe put them on that next level, and that that could kind of suck because <laughs> they just got as we're talking about in Mackenzie Ibaku. So I'm I'm definitely not saying his name, Mike. By the way, so I, my apologies. My apologies in advance, but
1: later in the twenty four seven sports article, though it does say three programs that keep coming up in conversations with sources around love are Arizona, Texas,
0: and Gonzaga. So Tex- Texas makes sense. He's kind of a he's kind of a similar player to like what they like a guard, like a Marcus Carr or like you know, that that kind of shoot first guard that can also... Texas is going to
1: be crazy with if they have Caleb Love and Max A. Smith on the same team. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot of shots. <laughs> um, Gonzaga yeah. just makes sense to me because I feel like Mark Few... I feel like I could be wrong here. I think that of those three, Gonzaga could be the school that can get the most out of Caleb love and turn him into the most pro ready kind of player. Because I don't think that I I don't think Mark Mark is the kind of coach that's going to go out there and be like, Caleb, you go ahead and take 28 shots, man. I trust you. Mark few is not going to let him do that. Mark few would be like, Caleb, you're going to take 12 shots a game, but we're going to, we're going to run an offense that's so clean that they're going to be good looks every time. And that is going to make you look like a much better player.
0: He's the coach that comes up in my head of when you say that he might go there that wouldn't be afraid to bench him if he kind of gets a little bit too off the reservation. So, like shooting the ball 30 times. Um, the only thing I don't know is, why well, I know Bolton and Julian Strother are gone, is Malachi Smith back? Because if, if not, then yeah, they definitely need a guard. Because they got Ryan Nemhart from Creighton, obviously. They got, got Nemhart. Hunter Salas um, transferred. So, I, I don't know really, if Smith to. comes back, then maybe that's a little bit of a crowd of guard room. But also, I mean, that's not too bad. So, I he think Guy Smith came off the bench this year anyway. So,
1: yeah, he would probably, he would almost definitely start. But they would add Nembhard and
0: Caleb Love. That would I'm be surprised fun. Missouri's not on that list. I am too. I am too. He's they from Missouri. Nice. Dennis Gates is kind of that coach that a lot of players want to play for. Missouri's got a lot of guys. Kobe Brown just said he was coming back. So, they have a lot of talent coming back. That's a little surprising. me.
1: I have two. I think that's a fun, I think it's a a fun three school. So Arizona, Gonzaga, Texas, because I think that Texas and Arizona are two schools that he could go to and he could probably put up 20 shots a game, but I don't think that's going to help him get to the NBA. But I think that would be really fun TV. Gonzaga is the school that it would be much less fun TV to watch him play there, but he's going to win more. And I think that could turn him into a pro player actually playing at Gonzaga.
0: Yeah. Arizona is an interesting one because a lot of people are pretty high on them with who they brought in. I'm not as high. They brought in Jane Bradley from Alabama. They brought in Keisha Johnson from San Diego State. But I don't know. The Kylan Boswells right now, they're starting two guard and Peely Larson is still there, but they lost a lot. So I don't know. Wait, Kishad Johnson they went they to Arizona? They lost, lost Ramey and they lost uh, Krisa, So What? He went to Arizona,
1: Kishad yeah. Johnson.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah, that was announced very recently. Oh, man.
1: All right. Next one. That's enough on Caleb Love. I just thought it was important to explain maybe what's happening, maybe like why he didn't get admitted, but just to we, we just had to talk about how Michigan just had their pants down completely in that situation. Last time we were here, we were talking about Hunter Dickinson going to Kansas, and I distinctly remember you being like, and Kansas is going to get McKenzie and Baco too, and it's going to be crazy. McKenzie and Baco picked oh, Indiana bad. over Kansas.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, sometimes the bag is bigger. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I have no idea why I went there, so I'm not going to say that. But uh, I do think Mike Woodson's a very appealing coach to play for, so I can probably breed into it. I just don't understand Indiana's roster makeup. They It's, it's Xavier Johnson and then, like, four seven-footers. That's their team. And he's, they brought a in Khalil Ware from Oregon. Klover. Malik Renew is still there, who is six Malik foot Renu. about ten-ish. They brought in um what's his head from Ball State, Peyton Sparks, who's seven foot eight, basically. They brought in all, all the all bring all the guys they brought in are big guys. They didn't bring in any really guards. They're so still laying. I, I they think they're a very guard, like I think they're very high on Trey with. Galloway. I was just gonna say they'll start like Trey Galloway, Xavier Johnson. Gabe Cups is coming in this year. As Ohio State fans are very familiar with him, but I don't know if he's gonna be. I think he's gonna be kind of on the Devon Royal train of like he'll play, but I don't think he's starter ready day one. So we'll see. Uh, they have another transfer they're bringing in. Oh, uh, they uh, a recruit they're bringing in whose name is escaping me. Who's kind of like on the Cups level, like four star, good player, but not 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 star. Is it so, CJ Gunn? Yes, that's exactly who it is. But he was already there, I think. So I think he's he'll be a sophomore, I think. But that's who I'm thinking of. Yes, I mean they lost what's they lost um, uh, Tamar Bates. He transferred, and they lost the other shooter they had. He transferred. So I don't know. It's very weird to me just the makeup of their team. They have zero wings, which you know I do think help. <laughs> and like I said, they thankfully Xavier Johnson is able to come back because then they just wouldn't even have a point guard. Maybe they. Maybe they attack the transfer portal differently if Xavier Johnson doesn't come back. But still, they can be very good. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they brought in Khalil Ware is objectively a top five transfer. Peyton Sparks is a very, very good big man. Malik Renu should be able to take a jump this year. Mackenzie Mbaku should be a pretty much a day one starting ready type Big Ten freshman of the year type player. So they they should be good. It's just it's a, it's a very weird roster makeup.
1: Yeah, they'll probably start Xavier Johnson, and they'll start Trey Galloway probably at one two. They'll start probably Cole Ware at the five, and Malik Renew at the four. But then the three is weird because I feel like it's not a the guy team. from Ball State, up. the guy I mean, from Ball play. State, is is way too big to be a three. Mackenzie Mbako is way too big to probably be a three. I mean,
0: you might have to run Renault at the three and Mbako at the four. That's wild. Or if you just, or if you're in Baku, you you except you're not starting day one, which I'm not sure he is. Yeah. They, or renew is not starting. I don't know. People forget though. Malik Renew was almost as highly touted recruit as Mbaku. Like he was a top twenty-five five-star too. So
1: I'm pretty sure Malik Renew had a double-double against Ohio State when they played at Indiana. Um, yeah, they're an interesting team. I just you know Indiana I mean, and I guess uh,
0: I guess granted the one the caveat I should give is I don't think Jalen Hood has officially said he's staying in the draft, right? Mm-hmm. But he is. No, he has said he is. Never mind. He don't. I, yeah, I, I think it's
1: – Indiana is a, a big brand, but I think one of the, the, the big things that if you ask, like, why has the Big Ten not won a national championship in X number of years? Like, why does the Big Ten not put teams in the Final Four? Um, when you look at recruiting rankings, there's usually not a ton of, like, top ten in the class kind of players end up going to the big 10. There's not, um, you have like some five stars scattered into the big 10, but when you look at like top five players, top 10 players, the big 10, isn't getting a ton of those. Like the major, major, major star power is going to basically the ACC slash just, I guess like Kentucky, like Kentucky and the ACC pulls so much of the top 10 of every class so to get the number I think he's like number eight player in the class to go to a Big Ten school, I still think is um that that's good for the Big Ten because that's part of the reason I think that the conference hasn't had the, the power to to you know win a national championship recently. That's part of the reason at least.
0: Yeah, I mean I agree. It's it's always funny because it's like there's certain highest State fans you'll see, you know, we we've seen the whole like why can't they get a seven foot why can't they get Anthony Davis? They're they exist out there. Um that's basically what high State fans say because they always want a five-star or seven-footer, which don't always exist out there. But nevertheless, winning, as Purdue has shown, winning in the Big Ten is different than winning nationally. So the question is, do you want to win the conference or do you want to try to win championship or a national championship? Because I don't think those two things really coexist. The last, like, what, six Big Ten champions haven't even sniffed? What was the last Big Ten champion to sniff success in the tournament? Michigan, when they went to the championship against Villanova? Were they even Were the conference champions? The, I don't. Year? I don't remember. <laughs> I'll look it up. But I don't remember. So that—that's what I'm saying. Is like it's—it's it's very weird. And that's just kind of the Purdue effect. Of like Purdue keeps winning the Big Ten and then shitting the bed in the tournament. But I don't know. It's interesting.
1: Big Ten about. basketball regular season champions
0: by year. Let's see. Let's see if we can recall what these teams did. I mean, you had Illinois with AO and and. Uh, um Kofi and they lost to L- in the second round of the tournament. You've had Purdue in the past 2 years, do nothing.
1: You had Purdue this year did nothing. Last year was Illinois and Wisconsin. Where did how far did they go? The previous year was Michigan in 2021. I feel like they made the sweet 16 that year.
0: They lost, remember Franz Wagner had that wide open look and he airballed it in sweet 16. They scored like and 49 points. Before that was COVID. Uh, before that was Michigan State
1: and Purdue. I want to say that might have been around the time when Purdue lost to North Texas.
0: That would have that been, become... that that been after COVID, so this would have been before. Oh, okay. That, so, um, that might have been the Michigan Villanova State. year that Michigan went to Villanova. That was 2018. That was the 2018 National Championship. So.
1: Michigan State, Purdue won it in 2019. That Actually, that might have been the year that Purdue lost to Virginia.
0: That was the... So, that's still Sweet 16. As good as that In team the was. Elite eight. In
1: the Elite and Eight. Was, they were one shot away from going to the lead Final eight?
0: Four. Yeah. It was elite Eight? Yeah. Okay. All right. So, I'll give him that. But but who led that team? Carson Edwards. That was not one of their great... That was when they had... What's his head with the hair? Matt Harms. He stunk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm he not wrong. That? I feel like Carson Edwards was their guy. I think they also he had... Said that guy. He said, that was Matt Harms. That guy reeks. <laughs> yeah, like he just had the hair. I always remember the hair. But I so mean, I was really, like, unless we really,
1: unless we overlooked something, we really had to scratch and claw back to like five years back to find a team that won the Big Ten that actually just made the Elite Eight.
0: And also, like I said, they that wasn't a team that relied on big men. That was a Carson Edwards-led team. Remember, he had, him and Kyle Guy had like 80 points combined in that game. That was when Carson, Carson Edwards went crazy in that game, and no one helped him.
1: So, you know, I think, yeah, it speaks to, you know, the Big Ten just hasn't had when the you win. To, to win the
0: Big Ten is different than winning nationally. That's And that's pretty well known.
1: If you go to 24-7 sports, like I should do that right now. Let me go to 24-7 sports, class of 2023, this recent class. And just look at, like, the top 15 players and how many of them are going to the Big Ten. Let's see. At least one. So For this 2023 about, class, you have McKenzie and yeah, for this twenty twenty three class. Oh you have no! McKin- well, you
0: have Xavier Booker.
1: Yeah, you have Xavier Booker at thirteen and Mackenzie Baco at eight. That is it for twenty twenty three, which I guess two out of thirteen isn't atrocious. So TBD and That's how that pans it out. Is
0: a pretty. I would look at top twenty five maybe, but still, I, I definitely agree with the point.
1: Yeah, that was a very subjective mark. I just said fifteen, but then you go to, <laughs> if you go to twenty twenty two, how many
0: five stars? It's normally like the top twenty or twenty five or five stars, but
1: you go twenty twenty two last year. It's three trying Sky to find, Clark, trying to find the first big 10 player here. The very first big 10 player of 2022 is Jalen Hood Shafino at 23. Oh.
0: Where's Sky Clark? Where is Sky Clark? Yeah, not like currently, like on that list. <laughs> uh, currently, no one knows. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where Sky Clark's at right now.
1: Um, I
0: five the three five star, stars last year were Sky Clark, Malik Renault, and, and Jalen Hood Shafino to the big
1: 10. Sky Clark was 33, he was a four star. Malik Renault was 30, he was also a four star.
0: Okay, so that's kind of even proved my point even further.
1: Yeah, Jalen Hurshafino was a five star. He went to that's,
0: honestly that just shows me how hard it is to be a five star.
1: Yeah, you only get like twenty of them. If you go back to twenty twenty one, where's the first Big Ten player? You got Caleb Houston at Michigan. He stunk. Um, he he was a five star. You keep going. Musa Diabate was also to Michigan. He didn't stink, but man, that did not. He what's didn't stink, stars? but
0: phew. what's the last Ohio State? Is it still Russell?
1: Last Ohio State, five-star? Uh, probably, yeah.
0: Russell was for sure a five-star.
1: I feel like pr- other than him, I think that DJ Carter yeah. was pretty close. But I remember I writing an article
0: sure. because at one point, Bruce Thornton was a five-star. I remember writing an article about it saying that I think the last one was Russell, and then Thornton fell to a four-star. But-,
1: but, yeah, the point is five-stars just really don't go to the Big Ten. This doesn't really happen, and that might be a big part of why the Big Ten hasn't. Especially over Kansas yeah that's a big one chris holtman did his first sit down and he doesn't do very many sit downs we were talking about this earlier he doesn't do too many like sit downs one-on-one interviews and stuff which is why people forget he did he did talk to us here at the Bucketheads podcast last summer so if you missed that um you want to scroll way down your spotify feed we did have episode
0: six this is episode 76 so
1: was it two years ago it might have been two years ago um We did have an exclusive interview with Chris Holtman for about half an hour. That was hilarious. So go back and listen to that if you haven't um,
0: back in our early stages. It was, to answer the question, yes, it was two years ago because I was working at the Morning Journal. He
1: did did an interview with Adam Jardy this week that we're not going to read all of it because subscribing to the Columbus Dispatch costs like $7 a month. And we've talked about it before. In my opinion, paying $7 a month is worth it just to read – at Adam's stuff and we don't want to give away everything it's, behind a paywall, but we're going to, we're going to give support away some of the stuff. Local
0: newspapers as well.
1: Yeah, please God, they're dying. Um, keep Adam Jardy employed. We need him. But I'm going to pull a couple of these questions and quotes out of here that we can talk about because I think that they were really good questions. And I think that you can kind of pull the answers apart a little bit beyond what he said. So Jardy asked, um, the preseason predictions for you guys are split it seems like either either the analysts believe in Bruce and Roddy and Felix uh, taking that next step, or they just look at last year and say, that's what you're going to be this year too. Uh, it seems like a lot of what's what next year's going to be relies on how those three guys develop as sophomores. And Holtman responded, I think that's an astute characterization, and I think very accurate <laughs> if we're projecting what people who do those lists are thinking. Every year, we've been right around the preseason top 25, and in some cases, we've been given the benefit of the doubt because we've been in the top 25 pretty much every year or finished right around there. Um, you lose that benefit of the doubt when you struggle, and that's just the reality. Even though it's one year, I think there's not... Even though it's just one year, I think there's not as much benefit of the doubt given. I think that...
0: That's right, yeah, that's... It's pretty much
1: Roddy. is. He's pretty... But he's pretty much saying yes. Like, if Bruce and Roddy and Felix continue to progress, this is this should be a pretty good team. If oh, yeah. Bruce and, 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 and Roddy and Felix don't get better, I think this could be Chris Holtman's last year as head coach.
0: Right. And that's, that was what we've talked about. When it, can, when it comes to the – there's this fun and interesting and sometimes very annoying conversation about the transfer portal. And what it is is basically how do you attack it? Do you build through the transfer portal or do you build through recruiting and piece together your team through the transfer portal. What Ohio State has clearly leaned into over the past two, three years, is we are going to build our team, our core, through recruiting. Their core six players of this team going forward is those three you just mentioned, Scotty Middleton, Taysom Chapman, Devin Royal, possibly Austin Parks is the seventh. But those six for sure, that's the core of the team. Now you're going to bring in your Jameson Battles, your Dale Bonners to fill some holes. Obviously, Jameson Battles is more than just like a, a filling of a hole he's he's a probably an all-conference player but they need a four they need a shooter that's who they bring in in general they're building through recruiting so yeah you're right if the recruits don't pan out you tend to lose your job um so that's that's what he's he is putting the future of this team in the hands of bruce thornton roddy gale and felix Park. now he's had some bad luck in terms of guys getting better than they're supposed to be earlier because he was supposed to put the hand this this team in the hands of Malachi Branham and Bryce Sendebaugh as well. Fortunately, you're losing them to the NBA earlier than expected. So that's kind of where it gets tricky. You can't do it. You don't want to develop these guys too quick, you know, because then they're gone. So it's kind of what you've said about Bruce Thornton. Why he's like a perfect college basketball player is because he's ready to play day one, but he's not an NBA guy yet. He can be, but he's not yet. So that's so you get him for two or three years. So, yeah, he's he's putting this team in the hands of Bruce Thornton, Roddy Gale, and Felix Aguilar. If they progress like they should and like we think they will because Chris Holman does have a good history of developing players. Again, Dwayne Washington, EJ Liddell, Malachi Branham, like the proof is in the pudding in that regard. Um, So I do think they're going to develop these guys. But But, yeah, if they come out and Bruce Thornton struggles and Roddy Gale is so interesting because we're so high on him because the potential is so high. But people do kind of forget he struggled most of last year. He did. And as a freshman, that's okay. You, It's okay to have those learning steps. He didn't play a lot in high school as junior senior year because of injuries. So he's still just getting in the hang of basketball. And that's all good. And what we saw in the conference tournament is hopefully what we're going to see all year this year. But there is still that lingering thought of like, well, he struggled 80% of the year. So why are we taking the 20 so heavily? It was because it's the last 20% we saw. So, and then Felix par, I think there's the better chance that he'll hit his ceiling because his ceiling is more defined upon things he already has, like his defense, how he affects the rim. That's not going anywhere. So Roddy Gale, like he needs to shoot the ball well. If he doesn't shoot the ball well, which can go away, then you're kind of in trouble. So I do think there, that's why I'm high on this team in the future because I like these three guys. But if you don't and you don't see it, I completely understand why. Like John Rothstein doesn't have them in his top 45. I think that's crazy. I think this is a top 25 team in the country for sure. But we're just seeing it two different ways.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure if if I would say they're a top 25
0: team. Quite I guess I just say I yet. my potent, I think they will be. Uh, what I'm saying, I, maybe yeah, not. I think yet, when the season
1: when the, the season the team starts, they probably won't be. But I think they have the potential to do so. The thing about Roddy is just like I think what it's like the quiet thing that people don't want to say out loud. It's like do do we believe that what Roddy Gale did in the Big Ten tournament, where he went like three state games where he went I don't have the numbers in front of me but it was something like 14 points 20 points 22 points he hit like eight of nine threes like what we saw in the big 10 tournament is that is that actually Roddy Gale or was that just like an out of character explosion and he's gonna fall way week. back and he's gonna I mean, fall was, back a three to day like, stretch.
0: you know like that's what people kind of it seems like we forget it was literally three days, you know. So do
1: you? It's like, do people believe that that like that is what Roddy Gale could be? That's what he could be consistently, or, or is it like no? That was kind of out of pocket for those three days. I think he's more of like a you know eight to nine points per game scorer. It's like I don't know if there's many people that truly believe that that what they saw those three days in the Big Ten tournament is what Roddy Gale is actually like. like that's what he is because you have four months of contradictory evidence that shows you, no, that's probably not what he's really going to be. So like where, where does he ultimately land on that? On that I think a big,
0: I think a huge question mark too, just in terms of that specific answer is the front court in terms of you have James in battle, but he's, you know, you're bringing him in. Transferring can be tough no matter what, no matter who you are. Plus James in battle did struggle last year with injuries and stuff. If that's lingering, he might not be the piece you think you're adding and I think there's a huge cloud hovering over Zed Key. Again, we've talked about why we don't really think that's fair, but for some fans, you know, they don't—they literally don't think he should be on the team. So, um, I, do I agree with that assessment? No, I do not. But if Zed Key comes out and is an All-Conference type player, I think this team is completely different. I think this team is maybe a top fifteen team, just depending on if they all hit their ceilings. But that's what you're—you're you're banking on a lot of guys. First of all, staying healthy, and second of all, reaching that ceiling now. Right, we, we kind of forget like Bruce Dorton, Felix Arpa, and Roddy Gale, still only going to be sophomores. You know, so when are they going to really hit that peak prime? Who knows? That's kind of what you're, you're, you're looking at. The
1: next one I pulled out of this this interview is he asked about he asked Holtman about Ohio State's defense, which has been bad for like three years now he said back to defense your last gardner web team which was like that have been like 10 years ago now your last gardner web team had a better defensive efficiency rating on kenpom.com than this last year's ohio state team um <laughs> what is the issue on defense different guys have overseen your defense which what he meant by that is like um you know this past different year assistant coaches yeah so this past year i believe it was jack owens that ran the defense yes. Last yeah, year, yeah. last year it would have been Jake Diebler because Ryan Peden ran the offense. I think the previous year, it might have been Terry Johnson. But he said, different guys have overseen it. You've had different personnel. What is the main issue you're trying to wrestle with there? And Holtman said, I think that's what I'm wrestling with this summer. It's one thing to have one outlier year. It's another thing to have a three-year trend. I think we've addressed some things in recruiting that need to be addressed, and we've continued to do that. It's been a real conscious decision, but clearly we have a much much greater team and program commit I'm sorry, clearly we need to have a much greater team and program commitment on that end. Um that's the bottom line. That has to be our identity and as coaches and staff, we can't play guys if they're not going to be committed on defense. I think we have a team that can and should be able to defend better, much better this year, but that's what's in front of us.
0: Yeah, I mean. Yeah. He he's, he's right. They it's not a secret that like to be successful in that there's there are certain outliers, but for the most part, if you want to go to the Final Four, lead eight, you gotta have a top twenty-five offense and a top twenty-five defense. Ohio State hasn't never even sniffed the top twenty-five defense, really. Um, and you look at again, you look at the recruits they're bringing in. It, it shows they're putting more emphasis on it. Felix Ipar is a defensive-minded player. Scotty Milton, who we talked to on the pod, talked about how important defense is to him. And Royal's a, a good defender that can become a great one, I think. Bruce Thornton is a good defender. Like all these guys are maybe they're not there yet, but they're at least emphasizing the effort on that end, and that's the big thing. So that's that's huge. Yeah, I think but Yeah, we,
1: we've 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 talked about it a couple of times. That is like if there's one thing if there's one thing about this Ohio State team upcoming, this upcoming season that I would put All of the money in my bank account on is that this team is going to be improved defensively from last year. Mm. I think it's going to be. (laughs) I think
0: they're going to be down on offense. I think so.
1: Right. I think it's going to be substantially better on defense. I think you're going to see a jump from like 110th in Ken Palm defense or whatever up into like the top 30 or 40. That's what I think. But at the very least, I think it will get better. Maybe not to that extent. I think it will be, but. But in, at least marginally, it will get better because, like we've talked about before, the pieces they're putting together, it's like regardless of what lineup they use, you can point at at least two or three players on the floor that you can say, that guy is, that guy is an above-average defender. Like Felix Agpara is an above-average defender. Roddy Gale is an above-average defender. Bruce Thornton is acceptable. Um, Scotty Middleton, we've, like you said, we've talked to Scotty. We like Scotty a lot. We're big Scotty fans. He's not even on the team yet. He's going to step on as a freshman and be an above average defender. Dale Bonner's. Two, tran- a two of the
0: three yeah, two of the three transfers you brought in are defensive minded guys.
1: Dale Bonner is, is already a very good defensive player and limited minutes at Baylor, but in those minutes he grades out as a good defender. Evan Mahaffey, all of their best defensive lineups at, at Penn State included Mahaffey. So most lineups that Ohio State's gonna put out there, you're gonna be able to point and say, Hey, at least two of these guys or at least three of these guys are like above-average defenders. So even if they step back on offense, I think most people would be okay with that if you saw a substantial jump in defense, and they're putting the pieces together where they're not going to have too many lineups that are going to be weak defensive lineups.
0: Yeah, bingo. And that's why another reason, I've said this before, it's why I like a lot of us that really follow these efficiency numbers and stuff, were say that the I think the best chance they've had to make the Sweet 16 was the COVID year they lost because that was Chris Holman's best defensive team. That wasn't – we're not just saying that as, oh, we'll, we'll give Chris Holman the benefit of the doubt. Like there are numbers to back up why we think that.
1: Yeah, if you can't play defense at at least an average rate, you don't make the – you have zero chance to make the Final Four. Zero. Yeah. Zero.
0: You have no chance. Even um, when the USC last- went on that run last year, the best defense they played was in the tournament. The, the last one I'm going to pull, if you want to read the other like eight or
1: nine questions he asked Holtman, and all of, the, all of the questions he asked had pretty much detailed answers like this. The last one I'm going to pull out of here is he kind of asked about the blending of like however many transfers they had last year. I think they had four transfers with like five freshmen and all these new faces. Um, he said, of your eight top scorers last year, seven of them were either in their first year or at least their fifth year. It didn't seem like you had issues with guys not liking each other, but was it hard for the youth and experience to click together? And he said, I don't really think it ever did. And I don't think we played with near the purpose offensively that we have typically played with. Um, Was too many new parts a factor in that? Sure. Yeah. I own that and I recognize that. But we as coaches and me specifically, needed to do better at getting those newer parts to consistently play the way we needed to play to win. A consistent theme for us has been with this offense has been efficient and has been, for the most part, connected. And then in many cases, there are some things we have to really fix defensively, a defensive bite to us. We didn't have that until the last month of the season. There's a lot of coach speak in that one that I kind of like just cut out. But what I got was, was there was too many new parts a factor in that? Sure, yeah, I own that. And you, you kind of, Justin, you kind of talked about this a minute ago that they prefer to build through recruiting and supplement with transfers and it doesn't always work the way that Arkansas somehow has made it work where you bring in five transfers and they're all good and they blend well and they just mesh. Like you throwing five transfers with five freshmen and like three returnees I'm guessing more times than not, it's not going to work, and that's kind of what they did last year. And he's kind of saying
0: right here that maybe that type of roster construction was a mistake. And I agree. And and that's what that's what for. I think for most of the people that watched every game, because we saw them play well, right? The beginning of the season, we were like, "Man, this team's not bad." They beat the brakes off Cincinnati. They beat um, who's the team with the with the coach? someone one likes uh, Texas Tech. Uh, they beat they beat them. You know, they played North Carolina really tight. They played Duke tight. Like, we were like, oh, this team might be really good. And then something happened in January, and they just stopped playing good. And it wasn't that the the individuals stopped playing well. The team stopped gelling. When someone had a good game, nobody else did. When somebody struggled, other people, like, it, it brought down the team. Like, it was just you could tell the morale of the team. And, again, and that's why people ask questions like, have you lost a locker room, stuff like that. Obviously, he never did, and that was all kind of ludicrous. But the question is kind of fair because you're looking at the talent and you're like, the talent's there. This is a good team. Justin Sewing, Bryce Sensible, Sean McNeil, Bruce Thornton, Zed Key. These are good players. So what's going wrong to where they can't beat Minnesota at home without James in battle, basically, because he struggled in that game? Like, that's that's the question. And then you see it in the conference tournament where they went three games in three days. And you're like, where the hell was that for 20 games? And it, it's just it just never meshed. They were good players. They just never meshed. And the, I think something they've kind of struggled with in terms of transfers, and I'm not even sure the three they just brought in are going to fix this. I just think the three they brought in are good, are good players. They don't get a lot of two-way guys. And maybe that's a recruiting thing, too. Right now, like Bryce ball offensively, through the charts, really struggled on defense. Could be a freshman thing as well. But, like, you look at Jamar Wheeler, great on defense, never quite gave enough on offense. Ice likely was the same way this year. Sean McNeil was the flip. He was the offensive spark, but defense, he struggled to kind of catch up sometimes. You got to kind of find those two way players. I think Evan Mahaffey might be one of them. It's tough to tell he played limited minutes at Penn State. So, again, it's okay not to have a strong opinion about him. Just let it ride. But I think you got to kind of bring, you can't keep having guys that they benefit you in one way, but they really hurt you on the other end. You got to have guys that play both, like what we're hoping Scotty Middleton is, like what we're hoping Roddy Gale is. These guys that are these two-way, you know, the, the best example I can think of is like a Paul George, right? I don't think there's any Paul George on this team, but that's the example. Um, that's what you want, and that's really what they haven't had. So that's where it gets tough. Before we move on to do the draft, I also wanted to point out that these
1: questions that we just read off, plus all the others that Jardy asked Holtman, I think is a really good example of um, – how do you ask the hard questions without being an asshole? Yep, right. That's cool.
0: Bingo. Throughout the
1: season, um, throughout the season, people that, you know, mostly people that are online, they have questions and they, they and they respond to the, the people that get to be in the room, that have the privilege to be in the room. Like for most of the games, not every game, but like for most of the games, I have the privilege of being in the room in the press conferences. Like Adam Jardy, rain or shine no matter how far away the game is the dispatch will always send him right they want us to ask questions but the way that people ask the questions to us and say why don't you ask the coach this right if, if you look at that last question about blending youth with 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 freshmen, youth with transfers if you somebody might respond and say can you please ask him why he thought it was a good idea to put a roster together that's nothing except freshmen and six-year players who have never played together, right? That's a valid question, but you don't ask it like that. That's not, how you, that's not how you get a good answer. You need to ask it a little differently. That's how you ask the hard questions and not be an asshole, right? Back to the defense, right? Jardy said, your last Gardner-Webb team had a, was better at defense than this year's Ohio State team. What is going on and what is the focus, right? somebody might tweet at you or me or Jardy and say, can you please ask Chris Holtman why he has decided to no longer practice defense at practice, right? You're not going to ask him that question, but the way that well, Jardy
0: – put- They definitely do do it at practice, but yes.
1: Right. It's, it's, <laughs> you look like an asshole and you're being sarcastic, but the way Jardy he puts it here is basically saying, Chris, your defense this year was literally worse Than your Gardner Webb team 10 years ago, which Gardner Webb, if you look at Gardner Webb and Ken Palm, they're always below like 280. They're not a great, they're just not a great basketball program, right? He's putting it, he's framing the defense to say, Chris Holtman, your defense the last year was absolutely horrible. What is the plan to get this on track? But he frames it in a way that shows how serious of a problem it is without being rude. So I just think if you haven't read this, go read it because he does ask some really tough questions, but he does it. Without being a dick,
0: this interview definitely had like the feel of them sitting in an empty room on in two like guests like table chairs, like looking at each other, like a sixty minutes interview or something. And um, it was it was it was a great interview. And like you said, there's certain ways to ask, and the thing that I loved about it is Holman didn't run from any of these questions. He didn't make excuses most of the time. He was like like when you say, "Why do you think it's a good idea to put these freshmen in these six years together?" He basically said yeah, we got it wrong, you know, like we tried to mesh this team together and we didn't do it correctly. And that's something I've said is like, I've said that a couple of times that that was the problem with this team. I don't think it was like specific coaching or specific whatever. I just don't think this team ever meshed. And I've heard people say like, well, that's an excuse. It's not an excuse. That's still a criticism of Chris Holman, right? Because that is his job. That is the whole coach's job to make this team work. So, you know, like you said, Arkansas does it every year, basically. And they've had some some trials and tribulations this year they underachieved for most of the season they just made it work in in march so for the most part so that's just where i think when it comes to these kind of questions and it comes to you know this big thing of like we the media needs to hold the coaches accountable what well, first of all tell me what that means second of all um you know there's ways to do that that isn't just being a dick and that's kind of where <laughs> where we need to find this fine line of these are good questions these are questions everybody's curious about and, and Chris Ullman had great answers, which isn't his problem. He does very well with like pressures and stuff. In my opinion.
1: Yeah. I mean, you have to, you know, if you read enough sports interviews, you kind of learn where to like cut out the coach speak, like whatever that last question was that I just read out about the scores, like half of that was coach speak. And I'm like, okay, we'll just go ahead and get rid of that. But there are lines in there that you're like, okay, that, that's the answer that I'm looking for to the question. And I just thought that, I just thought that, uh, Adam asked some, I thought he asked some good questions that are tough, that basically it's like, I'm going to, he's going to give Holtman an opportunity to tap his chest and say, Hey, I goofed up on that. But there's ways to ask really hard questions. There's ways to ask questions that are tough um, without being a jerk, because it's It's one thing, it's one thing to ask it to, to just throw it into the, to the vastness of the internet on Twitter or Instagram or something and have And and you don't have to sit in front of the person and look them in the eye and say it. It's different when you are sitting there with them right in your face and you're asking them. You need to find a way to ask the questions without being a jerk, without being disrespectful.
0: And also, I saw Jardy take a lot of shit for that this year in his comments and stuff about like you're not like you're the face of the media for Ohio State basketball and you're not asking the tough questions. Which again, shut up. But second of all, if you're one of those people, read this interview. (laughs) Like, go actually. I guarantee you anybody that says that hasn't read this article. So go read, go read the interview. Maybe, you know, have an open mind, having open mind, never hurt anybody. Let's put it that way. So I agree.
1: All right, moving on. Last thing we're going to do. Haven't done this in, I don't know. It's been months and months since we've done this. Um, This was Justin's idea. We are going to both draft a team of, well, basically the best possible college basketball team that we can put together from 2010 to now, which Justin, I'm assuming that means the 2009-2010
0: team, right? That season. Yeah, I was just thinking about really anybody that's at least played in the 2010s. So like if they were there from like '08 to '11. They count.
1: Okay, because I have one player here that's that played the 2009-2010 team. Because I have a, I've,
0: I've got yeah, a bank yeah, of accounts.
1: I've got a bank of potential people. So, um, I don't
0: think most of my picks actually don't go that far back. So, but yeah, that one counts too.
1: And we're gonna do what we're gonna do what five players and a bench guy like a utility bench guy. Yeah, that works. All right. Um, I'll just decide who goes first? Since it since it was your idea, it was your idea, so you can go first. And there's so many players. I don't think you're gonna. I don't really have one person that I think is like has to be number one.
0: Yeah, I do, and it's Anthony Davis. So I'm taking him.
1: Okay, he was. Uh, I have a doc. I have a document here. We'll go ahead and fill this in on the, the Google Doc. Okay, you have Anthony. Davis at probably center, one of the guards, one of the forward spots. I mean,
0: I'll put him as point guard.
1: Shut the fuck up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. that He was one of my guys I was looking at. Um, I would hope so. So then I will go ahead and I'm going to take Kemba Walker. Kemba that That's going to be my point guard. All right. You're back up.
0: And he, that was just funny that you took him because he was literally there from 08 to 11. So it's my exact example of who was eligible. So. <laughs> definitely painted myself in that corner um <laughs> all right i'll go this one is more of like a i just want to see him play with anthony davis uh, i'm gonna take jalen brunson i don't think he's the third best player of the past 13 years Ooh. but if i'm putting him on my team i think him and him and anthony davis
1: i also had him i have a i have a list of like 20 guys basically that i'm like these all seem reasonable
0: i'm gonna spoiler alert i'm not taking any high state players so
1: I had one here in a possible thing, but I don't think I'm going to take him. All right. My other guard then, even though he – I don't know if they could play side by side. I'm going to take John Wall. Yeah,
0: John Wall was good. (laughs) John Wall was good. You can't argue that one. I'm going to say you can't argue that one after every single pick, but he's probably going to be right after every single pick, so (laughs) I'm comfortable doing that. Um, Okay, I'm going to take Buddy Heald. Oh, Oh, my God. Oh that's a good one. I a think people heel. really forget that like he so could at any time he walked out there he could score 40. Oh my god, people forget. One of I my I think core- he's this this like generation-ish JJ Redick. Just like he just scores. One of my core
1: memories as a basketball fan is uh the Oklahoma Kansas four overtime game. Yeah. In like in like 2014, I want to say, I was I was definitely in high school. I think Buddy Heel dropped like forty-eight points or something. It was a four-overtime game. Oklahoma beat Kansas. Oh my god! Yeah, he was he was phenomenal, and he was a pretty good pro, and still is a pretty good pro. I think, right?
0: Uh, yeah, he's playing well. He's he's a uh, he's played well. He's just in that dog shit city of Indiana. So, oh, he's with the Pacers now. I didn't know that.
1: All right, so I got two guards. I don't have a big
0: yet. Um, so. A lot of options for the big guy that I I kind of forget about. Yeah, so
1: for my first big guy, just because this he's not the best big guy that I could take, but kind of sentimental, I'm gonna go uh, Caleb Swanigan at five.
0: Okay, I didn't think we'd hear his name, but definitely an amazing player. I'll put Biggie in there. Um, Yeah, I'm going Zion. Yeah, I had
1: that written down too. Yeah, yeah,
0: just yeah. So
1: would he be if he, he he can be your four?
0: Yeah, you do my four. Yes.
1: All right. Um. Let's see. Here. So you got four. Got you got. So you have Jalen Brunson, Buddy Heald, Zion Williamson, Anthony Davis so far. And I've got Kemba, John Wall, and Cam Swanigan.
0: Also, I'm not taking I, him. But I, I also didn't realize that Evan Turner would count in this. I'm not taking him. But.
1: Um, okay, then I'm gonna do um, since since Swanigan is my true is a true center. I'll go away from the true center and I'll take a forward. I'm gonna go Obi Toppin.
0: Ooh, yeah, that's a good one. I thought you might go Frank Kaminsky there, but
1: uh, I like that he's a good one. Too. He's a good one too. You uh, know, you know, stopping Obi Toppin though, so we'll go with Obi Toppin. That's true.
0: Uh, the three, I'm just gonna take another guy who can score forty any given time. And we're going Doug McDermott. I, I, I was the biggest Doug McDermott fan in the history of fans. And I've lived in Omaha. So I can't. I, I, if we do a draft like this, I have to take him. Whether it's accurate or not, I do believe it is. I, I need him.
1: <laughs> looking for but a guy. I, that's
0: a for the brand kind of pick.
1: Looking for a guy that could fit at the three. Because I think there are there are like a, a lot of centers that are still that I, you could take that are better than, like, guys that are at the three. But if I want to fit somebody at the three, I'm going to go Josh Hart.
0: Okay. You're so I got
1: start. everybody – I got a lineup filled out except my bench spot, as do you. So you have one more.
0: Uh, just for fun, I'm taking Jimmer Fredette. Oh. Yeah, you're going to – yeah. That's, I that's can't believe squad. somehow Trey Young did get taken on this, but – well, I guess you're so good, but he's not as a starter. So then, I have
1: one spot left, and that's funny because that is one of the guys that I do have marked down. is like, take him if you have the chance. So, oh man,
0: seems like you have the chance. <laughs>
1: I do have the chance, but there, I also could take one of like four different centers who won the National Player of the Year, right? So that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do Oscar Sheboy then as my last guy. Ooh, okay. So I have Kemba Walker, John Wall, Josh Hart, Obi Toppin, Caleb Swanigan and Oscar Shibway on the bench. <laughs> I have Oscar Shibway sitting behind Caleb Swanigan. Yeah,
0: I'm not so sure that one uh, translates to the, to the court, but we'll go Yeah, it. Yeah,
1: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. I'm going to make the swap here. Hold on. just <laughs> out of, re, I respect RIP Caleb Swanigan, but, yeah, I have to put him on the bench.
0: That might get their Twitter coaches uh, fired up <laughs> if you trot out Caleb Swanigan with Oscar Shibway sitting on the
1: bench. And then you have Jalen really Brunson, Buddy Heald, world. Doug McDermott, Zion Williamson, Anthony Davis – and Jimmer debt.
0: Yeah, good luck. I'm scoring 100 and no one else is scoring 30.
1: Some other dudes that I had written down that neither of us took. Uh, Trey Burke.
0: Yeah, Trey Burke written down. Shabazz Napier. I had Shabazz. For, when you said Kemba, I almost went to Shabazz just to do it, but I was like, nah. Uh, Jaleel Okafor. I didn't have to have a good pick. Trey Young. Pick, yeah, Carson Young. Edwards. Yep. I cow Kyle Guy written down just for the brand. <laughs>
1: Oh, uh, I had Luca Garza, Drew Timmy, Frank Kaminsky, Zach Eady, Frank Kaminsky. So, Frank all right. Mason. Frank Mason.
0: I'm Frank Mason.
1: Perry Ellis. All right.
0: I could count 1990s draft, 2000s draft, 2010s draft.
1: All right. You, Jeff Withy. All right. You got anything else before we hop out of here?
0: No, we have two minutes of recording time left, so we should probably.
1: Oh, shit. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> if you made it this far, we appreciate you sticking with us. If you have not done so already, subscribe on Spotify, um, Apple Music, whatever it is for iPhones. Um, that way, every two weeks, you will do a notification when we put on an episode, and we're hopefully going to be lining up some interviews this summer, so stay tuned.
0: And uh, we didn't mention Cam Spencer, but that shit's kind of crazy. So we'll see if Rutgers doesn't just fall into peril here. Duquel well Warren also decommitted, so Rutgers is in a little bit tight spot, uh, but you can also... if you Connor didn't just say, because I wasn't listening. You can also follow Buckethead's LGPN on Twitter. Uh, Connor, where are you?
1: Uh, you can follow me at LeMond's underscore Connor, L-E-M-O-N-S. Especially. I think corner. we're closing
0: in on, we're closing on 300 followers on Twitter as Buckethead, so we we'll do that. Yeah, we're going to heat... It'll, it'll heat up towards the end of the summer, too, once we get close we to he, the season. We keep saying we want to be the most followed uh, podcast on the Land Grant Podcast Network, um, because... It'd be kind of funny because all the other ones are football podcasts, which objectively is more popular than high state basketball. But
1: But here we are. All right. Thanks for sticking around if you stuck around this far. Have a great weekend. Go Bucks.